Now, uh, what we want to do to you next is, again, in your, in your little journals, turn to page 22, and we're going to be welcoming our first speaker for the morning, who's our very own senior pastor, David Mitchell. But uh, again, he, he's going to be going through this, uh, this talk, and we're going to have not just Dave, but also another talk for, the, for this morning initial time. But Dave's going to be coming up talking about nine types of mentors. So let's give him a warm welcome as he shares with us. <laughs> Thank you for that warm welcome. I feel very, I need a jacket now, but um, listen, we're glad to be able to serve today in a very different type of way, and the beauty of it is that you get two messages for the price of one. We're only going to pass the offering once, so I invite you to take this little book that we have put together. We're so thankful for our comm team that had put this together, and we're going to be looking at pages 22 and 23. And uh, my goal this morning, in the next 17 minutes, that's what I have, I have 17 minutes, so you can look at your watch, um, is to convince all of us in this room that we are mentors of one type or another, or we are the recipients of someone else's mentoring. I want to see that some of the stuff that we're talking about, sometimes we think that's, that's for others, I'm not up to the task, I'm not qualified, I wouldn't know what to do, what to say. I want to convince us that we all are part of that. And you just may not recognize the role that you play or I play in that. And so we want to go through this. You'll notice there are three categories in here. There is the active role, there is the occasional role, and then there is the passive role that is uh, part of the discussion. And so there are three in the active role. I want to show you what some of these three are. And you'll notice that the first one is uh, a discipler. This is an active role. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young man that he is discipling, and he says this to him. He says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, the discipling of Timothy was by his own family from his mother his grandmother. And sometimes the discipling comes through the family. Candidly, I grew up in a pastor's home. You might have heard a couple of weeks ago I sat in the cushy chair uh, that was my dad's chair as a pastor. And having grown up in a pastor's home and a strong Bible teaching church, I never once had somebody come to me and says, Dave, I'd like to personally disciple you. I want to help you grow in your faith. I want to make sure you know what you believe. But I was discipled in a broader sense. Uh, my parents, just as Timothy had his mother and grandmother be that disciple so that he has this, he learned it and that he became convinced of it. And that's what we want to do. We want to get people not just learning, head knowledge, but they're convinced of it. They're moving in their lives based upon what they have learned and they continue on it as he continues to grow up. The most optimal time before age 18 to help people learn what it means and be convinced of the truth of God's Word. So we're in the process of discipling. That's the big broad category. And there are a variety of ways in which that will be taking place. You'll be hearing more details about that. There's a second role. The second active role is that of a spiritual uh, director, if you will. Uh, that is where there is prayer and there is listening to the Lord. We have a ministry here at Calvary Church that is called Spiritual Direction. And you may not have heard a lot about it, but there are some of us right now on staff who are going through that spiritual direction model. 
we're learning what that means, where you are able to sit and listen to the Lord, pray to the Lord, seek the Lord's counsel. And sometimes God will allow us, not through a verbal, auditory way, but He will give to us a sense of what He wants us to do. That's just one slice of the pie because there's so much more to it. But that spiritual direction is key. Now, here's an interesting example from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is traveling. He is doing a lot of God's work. And it's not always easy to the Apostle Paul. In fact, it would have been easier for Paul to never convert to Jesus Christ than to convert to Jesus Christ and to be persecuted because he is being a follower of Jesus. And it says in Acts 21, warning him, there's some spiritual direction that is occurring in this community. And it says, looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is giving to these individuals and there's four prophetesses and another man who are giving to him instruction from the Spirit of God. Don't go to Jerusalem, they say. We know that there's trouble brewing there. We don't want you to get hurt. So they're listening to God. There's spiritual direction that's coming. They're probably praying, seeking the Lord's will. But notice Paul's answer. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, Well, the will of the Lord be done. So I try to balance both of this. Because I get a little nervous, candidly. I get a little nervous when people come up to me, and I've had it in our church in Corona, Lodi, and here, where I hear people say to me, I've got a word from the Lord for you. (laughs) And I brace myself because it's usually not good news, as is the case with Paul. Uh, And so I want to be discerning. Sometimes when I say things, and I've heard this from others, when people come along with a word from the Lord, it becomes sort of a spiritual bully in a way that they know better than me. So we need to have discernment when I hear from the Lord and I get direction from the Lord. But what these people say is true and what Paul was ready to do is to suffer for the Lord. And so even in the counsel of those that come to us from the Spirit to give us spiritual direction, if we proceed on, it may lead to bad consequences but I need to know that I'm still pursuing God's will. Spiritual direction is part of the matrix of how God helps us to grow. Where we pray together, we encourage one another. Last uh, Thursday night, the elders gathered together with one of our staff members that came. And every elder meeting, we have a staff member that comes and reports to us those areas of their ministry. Then we gather around that individual and we lay hands on that person, one of our pastors, directors here at Calvary. And we pray over them that God would bless them. As is the case last Thursday night, we end up with tears at the end of it. There is something dynamic that happens when there is spiritual direction, spiritual leadership, a very sacred prayer time, so God's will is being done in a person's life, which doesn't mean it's going to be easy, as in the case of Paul, but it means that we're aware that God is working. So we're sensitive to that. We need people who are spiritual directors to come alongside us and to help us to see God's will. The third area of the active role is this coach, sort of a skill formation to help us to understand how has God developed us and how is He teaching us. For example, I was impressed by Barnabas. Barnabas was a great coach to the Apostle Paul. Early on, Paul wasn't being accepted. He came alongside. Then we read here in Acts chapter 11, He, Barnabas, left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For an entire year they met with a church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. We need coaches to come alongside like Barnabas came alongside Paul and says, 
here's where I see how you have been made. And uh, there's a variety of ways that that happened. We often use interns here at Calvary Church. I was an intern at my dad's church, at Bethany Bible Church, some 45 years ago, believe it or not. And it was in those settings, so I remember I brought my very first message that I'd ever spoken to a crowd similar to this crowd this morning on a Wednesday night Bible study. And the very first talk, I talked about how Jewish people crucified Jesus. And I had a Jewish man come up to me afterwards, and he told me, what you said were some of the most hurtful words I've ever heard in my life. That was a teaching moment for me. Because you need to craft what you say in a way that communicates the real facts. In point of fact, it's not all the Jewish people. Many were followers of Jesus. It was the leadership, the Pharisees. It was the Roman citizens. It was the cowardly act of those in government that did not stand behind Jesus. And so it was a teaching moment and that coaching that he didn't realize he's coaching me, but he was coaching me because for the rest of uh, the next 40 years, I continue to say things that others of you coach me on as well. And so I want to let you know, I do listen to what you have to say because when you're up here doing it live, you don't have a chance to have a do-over. We don't edit things around here. And so we need people that come alongside and coach us in our skills. I had Haddon Robinson as my uh, homiletics professor, how to preach a message. And so I just want to let you know, Haddon Robinson taught me everything I know about how to preach. So when you don't like what I preach, blame it on Haddon Robinson. And so we have these coach... I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, you don't need to come and coach me now after I just said that. But we need those that come along and that skill formation to take those things that we try to do. We want to learn how to do it better. And we need coaches that are there to prompt us in that. There are occasional roles of people that come alongside. There is the counselor, for example, for emotional and psychological growth. We need that. We all need that. Notice the Apostle Paul. There's a variety of places he talks about individuals that came into his life to refresh him. Here's one. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Now, this is a man that comes alongside the Apostle Paul. I don't know what he did to refresh him. They didn't have therapy in those days as we understand therapy today. But whatever this man did, he came alongside and just helped to carry the burden that Paul was carrying. And he came alongside him in such a way that he was never put to shame. There's no shame. There's no blame. Paul, you should get your life right. He just comes alongside to lift him up. We need people like that. Just last year when Joe and I went away for our sabbatical time last uh, August, we went away to this, what was ministry called Standing Stone. And it was just Joe and I and this other couple. And for a week we lived in this home that was out in the Palm Desert area in August in the monsoon season where it flooded so much that dirt went into the swimming pool in the backyard. It was wonderful. And so as we sat there, obviously we didn't want to be outside, so we're inside, but we spent hours and hours with this other couple as they refreshed us. No shame, no blame, and that's what we were fearful. You go to those settings, oh, I'm gonna, and they're going to tell me everything that's wrong with me. Now they came alongside and gave us a refreshing rejuvenation after some testing and all that, and I shared with you last year that they then diagnosed our marriage and determined that our marriage was a vitalized marriage. So our marriage, is as, that's, that's the top rank, 
our marriage is as good as it gets. But we still have to work at it. I wish I, wish I was done working at it. I still make mistakes. But we need moments like that. I remember after the church here at Calvary Church went through a kind of a crisis with a group of people that left and so forth many years ago now. And the elders came alongside Joe and me and they said, we'd like to send you to Hawaii. So the elders at Calvary Church sent Joe and I and our two young girls at that time to Hawaii. That was refreshing. Now, I don't recommend having church crises so that you can get a free trip to Hawaii, but you do need those. And then after that, they sent us to a lead conference, L-E-A-D, a leadership conference at Dallas Seminary. And I remember sitting down with one of the counselors. I mean, this guy's a real therapist. We sat there in this beautiful bed and breakfast place, and he just spent time talking to me about the issues on my heart. And as he talked to me about the issues of my heart, I began to cry. And if you know me, I hardly ever cry, unless somebody scratches my motorcycle. (laughs) But there are those moments where... As he was drawing out some of the pain, some of the pain that's there, it made me realize we need counselors who come alongside to refresh, to not shame and blame, to do what this man did for the Apostle Paul. If Paul needs that, how much more do you and I need that as well? And that's why we have a beautiful care ministry here at Calvary Church where we have folks that come alongside those that need that support. An occasional role as the teacher where we gain knowledge from God's Word. We have what we are trying to do here, what we try to do every Sunday morning, where we have Bible studies taking place coming up on Wednesday nights as students of the Bible go through First Peter. Notice this in Acts 18. Now a Jew named Apollos, and he was mighty in the Scriptures, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So he has a lot of good knowledge, but he has an incomplete knowledge. And it says, And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, that's a beautiful thing about Apollos. Apollos, it says, he was mighty in the Scriptures. But as mighty as he was in the Scriptures, there was still a lacking in areas of his life. And the beauty of being a teacher of God's Word and a student of God's Word were never done. We need people like Aquila and Priscilla to come alongside. Now, here's some areas that I think need to be worked on. And the humbled servant of God, be out on staff or be uh, a regular member of the church, we all need people that come alongside. Here's some areas that I think could be worked on. Here's some areas of doctrine. Here's some areas of truth. I'm a big proponent of clear, precise doctrine and biblical exposition where we come alongside and complete areas where there is lacking, as he was just simply acquainted with the baptism of John, but needed more complete understanding of God's truth. We need teachers that come alongside and help us with that. The occasional role as a sponsor supports a person to help them grow and find their fit in the body of Christ. Who's a sponsor? Notice the Barnabas is a great sponsor of the Apostle Paul. And it says, when he came to Jerusalem, this is the Apostle Paul, He was trying to associate with the disciples. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he was a persecutor. He was a murderer. He would kill people like Stephen, great saints. And so, obviously, they're not going to receive him easily. And so, here's what happens. They were all afraid of him, the Apostle Paul, not believing that he was a disciple. Did he really convert? But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. 
Barnabas sort of sponsored Paul. He says, I want to vouch for this man. I want to come alongside and help this man succeed. I see there are inadequacies. There's ways that he needs to grow. But I am here to support him. We need sponsors. I remember when I was just in grade school. And as a there's all, all ages need somebody like this. And grade school, I didn't have really any kind of clear direction. But I, I remember a, a man by the name, his first name was Arv, A-R-V. And Arv became my Sunday school teacher. And as beautiful it was to sit in that classroom and listen to Arv teach us, the beautiful thing about Arv is that he would gather together us as a class and he'd take us to Bill Johnson's Big Apple restaurant in Phoenix, Arizona. And we'd sit around that table, or sawdust all over the floor, one of those western things in Phoenix, and just spent time sponsoring us, helping us to find our fit. How has God shaped us? How is God growing us? What are those things that are going on in your life? I also remember Marv. All of my old teachers were, had an Arv uh, rhyme to them. Arv, and then I had Marv. Marv, Marv came alongside, and he gave me a job, and he showed me how to sweep the lobby of a building that he was the manager of. He came alongside and says, Dave, here's some ways you can sweep that lobby a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, how simplistic can you get? But these people like Marv then came along years later and had that input into my life. Part of these people that would just come along, sort of just occasionally bring a little nudge to say, here are some things you need to work on. I still remember Marv says, hey, I think you can walk a little bit faster as you push that broom. And it's kind of, kind of a little bit of a, a guilt thing, but a little bit, you know what? I don't want to always just say I'm just doing good enough. Maybe there are ways that I can grow and do better. He came alongside and gave me that nudge in many other areas as well. Then there is this passive role. There are contemporary models that we come alongside. These are people like, uh, for example, I love to read Andy Stanley. That may or may not mean anything. He's from Atlanta area. But he's written a lot of excellent books, and it helps me to think more strategically about the church. And so he comes alongside Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey has some great books, What's So Amazing About Grace. He, came, he comes alongside in his book, don't know either of these men personally, but in his book he writes to me about grace. I grew up in what might be a graceless community, and he's taught me because he grew up in a graceless community. Just by reading those books, it brings grace a reshaping of my view of how grace is. Books and videos that God brings into our lives, we need those passive roles where we go to them and we find ways to be mentored. A passive role, a historical, we learn from the writings of the Old Testament. I love to read the Old Testament. As I wrote in a little email this last week, because people are always people, the same people, whether in Old Testament people or today people, we see the same issues that are going on. And this is why my mentor, I call him my mentor, Jeremiah is a great mentor to me. I love to read Jeremiah and some of the issues that he's dealing with. Here's one thing he told me last week. For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord, speaking to the people of Judah as they're about to be persecuted and cast out of the nation of Israel by King Nebuchadnezzar. Because every man's own word will become the oracle, and you have perverted the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Jeremiah was speaking to a community 2,600 years ago. And he could have been speaking to a community today. The problem is that you're forgetting what God said. And you're replacing God's words with man's words. You're reshaping what truth is. And you're allowing this new truth of what man's ideas are to replace the truth that God has said. 
And in that particular day, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and destroy the, na- the city of Jerusalem. Well, he's not going to destroy our cities for that, but as a reminder that God still uses those historical figures to show that that's how I worked in the Old Testament. Those are the problems of the people in the Old Testament. They're still problems today. And we take those lessons, we apply them today. We find relevance for our lives in this day. And that, God, I don't want to replace your word with my ideas. And then finally, here is the divine contact. God brings people unexpectedly to bring his truth and encouragement to us. God has these divine appointments where he will suddenly show up and he'll do something. We may or may not even be aware of it, but he does that. A good example in Acts 23. But in the night immediately following, the Lord stood at Paul's side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. And then a little bit later on in verse 16, Paul's, uh, the son of Paul's sister, his nephew, heard of an ambush about Paul, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul, I just happened to be hanging out, and I just happened to overhear, Paul, they're going to ambush you. <laughs> These divine things, he just happened to be standing at the right place. Not just happened, but by God's sovereign choice, he was there, and he heard that. God will use those moments. And let me just finish up with this. Just a week and a half ago, I was walking across the patio here, and I came across Tina Holland, who was our preschool director for our school during the days, uh, weekdays. And she said, hey, a couple of things I want to let you know. I said, yeah. And one of those, of those couple of things was this. She said, I was talking to one of the preschool teachers, the new preschool teacher that teaches here every day. And she said, you probably don't remember this, but, and I serve as a chaplain in the Santa Ana Police. She said, there was one day you had received a call. You went with the police to a domestic dispute. You came into that home. You talked with this couple. And you prayed with this couple. Well, she wanted you to know that she's the wife of that couple years ago. And her husband now is serving the church and is a godly man. And the husband of our preschool teacher said, that prayer you prayed that day was the beginning point of changing his life. You probably didn't know that. I didn't know that. I never get feedback like that. But that divine appointment where you just happen to be there available, praying together, let God do His work, He takes it from there, I move on, have no more contact, but the Spirit of God then moved them from that prayer into positive action to heal their marriage and now serve the Lord in a God-honoring way. Never doubt that when God has these divine appointments where we are used by Him in a situation that He's planting seeds, the mentoring of others, be it a coach, a teacher, a discipler, a sponsor, a counselor, they're all part of this matrix of how God wants to help one another grow. All of us can be part of that kind of a ministry. All of us have elements of that that we have to offer to the Lord. I encourage us to be part of that. Now, I want us to interact a little over that. You notice on page 23, there are some questions available for you. These discussion questions of which of these roles have you experienced, which of these roles have you used, what are some of the hard parts of it. I'm going to encourage us to take a few minutes now to go through those questions, sort of dialogue with those around you, and learn how are these part of my life, how would I want some of these to be part of my life, 
and let God continue to bless that we have an opportunity to make a difference in one another's lives in a variety of ways. So spend some time in these discussion questions. Turn to those around you, two or three, as you might need to, and uh, then we'll come back up.